We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, we are officially out of whatever you want to call the non football period that exists this time of year. It's over from now until February. We will have football every week. And I love it. I can't get enough of that. I like the other sports. I like watching basketball. That certainly has its time and place. Baseball has its time and place. Hockey. Uh, certainly exists for those that are interested in in that. Uh, I am not one of those people. Hockey fans, go ahead and yell at me. I will not like your sport, no matter how much you yell at me. That please do so. Not the point, anyways. There will be football from now until February when the Packers are crowned Super Bowl champions in Las Vegas, Nevada, this February. Welcome, guys, led, to the Packers. Led, led by one Sean Clifford, right? QB one. So we were about, you were what is were you gonna finish that sentence with that? I was not, uh, because I <laughs> have read about a debate that I don't reasonably oh, think exists, man. but here we are. There are um, people there are people that would 
that would say, hey, Jordan Love, Sean Clifford looked better in his first start than Jordan Love did. Somebody did say start. that. You're right. So, which... you know, just by the two common denominators being the quarterback, one of which looked better, he sh- Clifford's better. That's true. And I will – well, we'll get into all that here in just a little bit, everybody. I'm your host. I'm Jacob Westendorf. I am joined by the mustached Jacob Morley, which is much better than the clean-shaven version of Jacob Morley because that's still horrifying to me. The rest of his facial hair is starting to grow in a little bit, and it's hilarious. It's the semi-stash. It's the shadow stash, man, with the – I'm just – I'm just trying to trying some new stuff out. I'm trying to find myself, just like this Packers offense is trying to find themselves. That they are, and they appear to have found a few things, at least based on the practices coming out of Friday night's game. Uh, Morley, real quick, it's been a few days. We've had some time to digest. You and I haven't had a chance to talk about it on the air real fast, and we won't spend too much time on Friday's game. But just really quickly, give me three takeaways from Friday's game that stood out to you the most. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to stick with kind of what I tweeted after the game, my one word, like word associations. And I think the three biggest ones that really stick out, um, and here's my love take. I won't include this in my three because I don't think his performance was one of the three biggest things that we saw. But he looked poised. He looked like he looked very comfortable and he looked like he was very in command. Um, And that's... That's what you want. That's what you expect, especially in that short little clip that we saw him. Um, I thought he looked good. Uh, but beyond that, speaking of, you know, found something, Luke Musgrave looks like someone that's going to be really involved in this offense, and he looks like he's going to be an absolute problem for opposing defenses. Just when you have someone that big, that athletic, that fast, that can run those crossing routes, you know, again and again, it's an issue. And what I love, I love what they're doing with him because a lot of times rookie tight ends come in and they get overwhelmed. They are really, at least it appears, they're really making things simple for for Musgrave. And it feels like they're just putting a couple things on his plate saying, hey, we're going to ask you to block sometimes. Um, We know that that's going to be up and down, and it it will be. It's actually already better than what I thought it would be uh, coming out of Oregon State. But we're going to get you in situations where just go run fast. Go run fast. I'll run a linebacker and get open. And if not, if you're not open, if you don't get the ball, you're going to clear out a ton of space. Uh, so that's that's fun. Uh, so I think Musgrave is so far like the biggest offensive thing I've taken away just because of how much I think they're going to use him. Jaden Reed is kind of proving that he can do what he did in college in the NFL, and that is play bigger than he is. Uh, that was, I mean, just a really impressive catch that he had uh, on the left hash. I think it was Clifford that threw it to him and, and that contested catch that we've all seen now at this point. He did that at Michigan State a ton. And whenever you do that, you wonder if that will translate to the NFL. And so far with Jaden Reed, it, it looks like it will, which is very good news because it's he's not a just just a contested ball type receiver. Uh, he's a he's a kid that can create a ton of separation on his own, and he just so happens to kind of have that my ball mentality. And then last but certainly not least is Carrington Valentine. What the hell? Where'd this kid come from? I mean, he's someone that we liked. Um, we liked him in the in the in the pack, in the Green Bay draft guy, but never never in our wildest dreams where I think we would have had him being. And I think Andy Herman said it today. Like he's not. 
maybe the most imp- he's he's the most impressive rookie, but he's also maybe one of the most impressive players from Packers training camp so far. That is not what I would have predicted from Carrington Valentine. Coming out of Kentucky, I thought he was a project, uh, a worthwhile one. When they took him in the seventh round, I called him a lottery ticket type guy because he's got the size and speed that a lot of just humans don't have. And he is going out and playing with just an extreme level of confidence. You see it growing almost every single day. And I think we're, we'll probably have a good discussion today of what do you, what do you do with that kid? You know, how, you got to get him on the field. How? Um, so those are my three biggest takeaways from last week. And then the two practices that we've heard from, I think it's interesting just to kind of, you know, today's practice, Monday's practice, it seemed like it was a little bit more down again for Jordan. Uh, but Sunday's practice was more up. Um, I know because Jordan threw the pick six at the end of practice, you know, like I know he had a good practice, but he hasn't thrown a ton of interceptions and he ended it with that one today. But Sunday, you know, with the two minute drive and it just seemed like everything was easier. But that's all to say it it makes a lot of sense that after you get your feet wet in your first preseason game that you're going to come back to practice and things are going to seem a little bit slower because they are typically uh, going from a game to practice. So it's good to see that, you know, and Jordan is just kind of going through this preseason checking a lot of boxes. Uh, things that you want to see, and 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 that's pretty much that. You know, it doesn't matter until the bullets are live and it's the regular season. But he, like you know, he's like I said, checking the boxes, doing stuff you want to see. Uh, but what about you know, what about you as far as your three takeaways? I didn't mean to just stomp over. I think I probably picked three of the most obvious ones. Um, so yeah. maybe what are some three you know three takeaways that you kind of have that maybe are a little bit more under the radar. Yeah, I came away with a couple. I mean, obviously, Luke Musgrave to me is – he's not the story of camp because that is still Carrington Valentine. That is still Jordan Love. That is still – but the way that they have just continued to target him. Uh, my my friend, my, my captain, Bill Huber, has said, and he's on the record saying that Luke Musgrave will break – Bubba Franks and Richard Rogers combined reception total as a rookie. That number is 54. I looked that up because I wasn't 100% sure when I said that. And what is the Packers record, all-time record for tight end? The Packers all-time record is 61. And I am dangerously close to one-upping him and saying that Musgrave – the the opportunity is going to be there. I'll say that much. The opportunity is going to be there if he's healthy because Tyler Davis isn't going to play. Uh, this season, unfortunately, a torn ACL for for Tyler Davis. Tucker Craft has had some nice moments, but also some down moments. Doesn't quite look ready for for prime time at this moment. So I don't think he's going to lose. I keep saying this, Jacob Musgrave looks like he's way ahead of schedule for the tight end, and 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 then people t- will ask like, well, what about Tucker Craft? He looks like a normal rookie. He just he looks like he and he does a lot of stuff that you like to see too from a tight end. He's he, the flashes are there, but he also looks like a kid that at that particular position is overwhelming sometimes. And he's like on your normal. He's like on your normal trajectory. And uh, and Luke is just seems like he is out of this out of the stratosphere. Yeah, and that's going to be the fun part to watch just throughout the year of how he grows. Because I still, I mean. I keep saying I think Musgrave's going to make like plays in like one game and then disappear for two or three, but I just I don't know because this team has made a concerted effort in any live action. Family and night. the two biggest plays 
that he probably would have made in the preseason game. One, Love missed him. And two, the ball was batted down. You know, like if, if those are just – if he's given the opportunity to make – I think those are huge plays. Yeah, and they – yeah. I mean, at minimum 20 yards on the crosser that Love missed – and who knows on the screen, it's hard to say, but I would have liked, I'd like to see him get an opportunity in space just to see what that looks like. Cause I haven't seen it yet in live pads, but that is a guy who is real impressive. And we knew the athleticism. We knew that stuff just hasn't played a lot of football. Didn't have a lot of production was injured in college. So hopefully he's able to stay healthy, but the Packers have made a concerted effort to here's the, the ball. Here is a here's a conversation that's never going to die. Did Aaron Rodgers just not like throwing the ball up the in the middle of the field and up the seam? I don't know because Aaron Rodgers also never had Luke Musgrave, right? So like you can't really uh, say that. Michael, but he, and Jermichael, he fed Jermichael, I guess, but and maybe that's it right there. But it it really does appear that love for whatever reason, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it, he at least appears to want to throw the ball in the middle of the field a little bit more to, to push the ball deep in the middle of the field, even. So um, I think that, that in itself is interesting uh, as far as Luke's development goes, just having a quarterback that's willing to give you a shot and, and not to yeah. say Aaron didn't, I really don't know. I really don't know. And that's why I'm kind of almost poking fun at it. Cause I don't think it's really a valid argument. I think Aaron is going to throw the ball to you if you're open. Uh, but, for whatever reason, he liked throwing the ball outside the hash. Yeah, and that's that's the uh, they built at least it looks like part of this passing game around Musgrave and and his ability, and it's exciting to see. You know, the Packers haven't had, I don't want to say any talent, but a lot of talent at the tight end position in quite some time. You know, their best tight end season in recent memory is half a season of Jared Cook, which not much to write home about there. You know, we were trying to talk ourselves into Jimmy Graham for. For so long, and then you know, dude. Side sidebar. I thought Jimmy Graham signed with the Saints to retire. Oh no, he's playing. He's playing. Oh, he he's caught a pass team. against the Chiefs the other. Day. I'm like, oh, he's he's playing. I thought it was like a one day, like a one day sign and retire type deal. Like, no, good for him. Good for him, indeed. The other two, real quick, before we get into the main stuff for tonight, since Morley took up some of them. Brenton Cox. That's another name that I think I need to. Throughout their three pressures, a batted pass that resulted in an interception. And it's he's in one of those spots where it's tough to see a path for him to make the roster because, like, Jonathan Ford is playing well. He's flashing in preseason. He's flashing in camp. So are the Packers going to keep six defensive linemen, for example? You know, Ford is really the only one that can be a backup Nose tackle if, you know, they can move Kenny Clark in there, obviously. But for the most part, he's really the only backup true nose like Jonathan Ford could be. Uh, and along with TJ Slayton there. So are they going to keep an extra defensive lineman? Are they going to go lighter at tight end? That seems unlikely, but who knows what, what happens there. But at the edge position, you know, Cox is behind Rashawn Gary, obviously, who's back. And he may get cleared for team drills this week. He at least lined up with team and walkthrough. We'll see if that I would be stunned if Gary took team drills this week against the Patriots, but in the near future, it looks like Gary's going to be back. And I would be shocked if he didn't play week one either. So there's one. We're going to talk about roster construction a little bit, but I almost wonder if the Packers go light at tight end and they keep an extra. I mean, because you you think about teams, Tyler Davis, that's where he's going to be missed mostly. Uh, 
you tell me. I don't know. I actually I don't have the answer to this. Is, has Brenton Cox been playing special teams? Because that might be his meal ticket. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look to be 100% sure on that, but I don't. Justice Mosqueda usually is pretty good at figuring that out. So I'll check that uh, here in a little while. But that's one, certainly. But even if you go through it, if they go lighter, they're going to have to because for Cox to make the 53 because Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness is a first-round pick. He's not getting cut. Justin Hollins is lined up with the starters, and he's done some really nice things. He's not getting cut. And uh, J.J. and Agbray who's done some really nice things, and he has played special teams. He led the team, I think, at special team snaps or special teams tackles or some special teams-related statistic from Friday night. So he's not going anywhere either. For Cox to make the team, he's going to have to be a sixth outside linebacker. Maybe the Packers would do that. They essentially did something similar with Caleb Jones last year. Uh, Jones didn't make the initial 53, but he got practice squatted, and then they rostered him to kind of protect him for most of the year. So we'll see if that's something – you know, one other thing they could do is two running backs. They did that last year for an extra roster spot. I'm almost certain they're only keeping two quarterbacks with the release of Danny Etling. I don't see much use for Alex Magoo to make the 53-man roster. He's obviously no, – I should they're say gonna do the, They're going to do the practice. I would almost guarantee you they're going to do the practice squad thing with the running back and the quarterback again. I bet Magoo's on the practice squad, and I bet they'll release – They'll release Patrick Taylor, they'll release Tyler Goodson, and they'll release Emmanuel Wilson, and we'll all freak out about it. And then they're going to have their pick of who they want to come be on the practice squad. I would almost Um, guarantee that is what's going to happen. Well, and that's where my third one is, is that that running back spot, because Tyler Goodson's arm is in a sling. So who knows how long he's out. Zach Jacobson said that he'll be back soon, but I mean, I'm not dissing Zach's reporting or anything like that. I'm just asking, what does that mean? That could mean, you know, soon could be, Two days, it could be two weeks, could be, and two, two weeks, you're out of time. Cut down day is two weeks from today as you guys are listening to this episode. But how can you not come out of Friday night's game just in, I don't want to say in awe, but like just the whole story surrounding Emmanuel Wilson is absolutely goosebumps worthy. Like he is playing on the anniversary, the 14 year anniversary of his father passing away. And he carries the ball six times for 111 yards. He has this quote. Um, he has this quote from his mom saying like, your dad's waiting in the end zone for you, or he's always in the end zone or something to that effect. And he scores twice. It says like, I always believed you would be there. And I went and found him and just absolutely incredible. Uh, to me and impossible to not root for that kid hearing in my, my situation, at least from what I'm thinking, it's impossible to not root for that kid hearing that story and wanting him to succeed. And Oh, by the way, (laughs) he broke an 80 yard touchdown. It wasn't like he just scored some And, and outran the whole defense and outran the whole defense. So, I mean, Every touchdown is special when you add, especially when you add that story to it. But an 80 yarder, it wasn't like a one yarder where he just fell into the end zone to where you could be like, man, the Packers probably knew that. And then they just manufactured this, this kind of thing. Nothing manufactured about an 80 yard bomb to, to score and go everything there. And then you hear Aaron Jones, who I don't care what the rules are these days about running backs. Give that man a lifetime contract because he goes up to, Emmanuel Wilson after his first touchdown and says something to him along the lines. And Aaron Jones is in the same fraternity as Emmanuel Wilson. His father tragically passed away a couple of years ago. Said, I know all about that. I know that's for your pops. Now keep going or something like that. And then he scores the 80 yarder 
after that. But the way the Packers navigate that third running back situation is going to be interesting. And Emmanuel Wilson has thrust himself into that conversation because one, Goodson is hurt. Two, Patrick Taylor is what Patrick Taylor is. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing. You know, a lot of, I'll tell you this, Twitter doesn't like Patrick Taylor. I know that much, but you know who does like Patrick Taylor? Coaches and Jake. I like Patrick Taylor. But coaches, <laughs> I always have, yeah. Yes, coaches like Patrick Taylor because he is – I it it came across as snarky, and I apologize to Zach again. That wasn't the point, but Zach was like, you know what, what exactly do they see in Zach or in Zach Jacobson? What exactly do they see in Patrick Taylor? Taylor? I said, yeah. watch him pick up a blitz, like watch that's him play special teams. Watch him yeah, play he, special teams. He, he catches will do, the ball out of the backfield. He'll, he'll do, do everything. Right. He's good at everything. Is, right? Is he going to break an eighty yarder and juke you in the hole and make you miss and look like you know Blake Corum's Heisman moment last year against Jake, Jack Campbell? No. Is he good? Yeah, he's a good player, and he's a good guy to have around, especially when you're talking about a practice squad elevation type and a guy who is going to play. Like the third running back on this team, you hope isn't getting very many carries because the Packers are going to have two, you know, primary backs in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. So what's, those are the. And what's interesting about the running backs too is it could be Patrick Taylor. You know, they could just keep him and just say that's that's our third running back, but. With Aaron Jones getting a year older every year that he plays, with A.J. Dillon being a free agent after this year, I think you have to look at that crop in in a little bit different light because I know the reason Pat Patrick Taylor makes a team over Tyler Goodson is not because he's a better runner or more explosive. Tyler Goodson is both of those things over Patrick Taylor. But Tyler Goodson doesn't really play special teams and he doesn't he's not as good in the passing game as a blocker right Tyler Goodson is someone you'd keep if you'd be like we want him to be our one or two someone that's going to carry the ball a bunch but Emmanuel Wilson came out and showed like when you when you are you know 220 pounds a, a physical runner between the tackles which he showed and you have the ability to break away like that like that's that's starting running back type stuff man and so I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see what they do at that position. Um, but we always say, too, even with everything you said and everything you said, I, I agree with, like, how do you not fall in love with Emmanuel Wilson's story? But at the same time, as far as just players go and prospects go, there's a Tyler Goodson in next year's draft class that you can get on day three. There's a, an Emmanuel Wilson you can get next year's draft class you can get on day three. So, uh it's tough, man. That position is just so wonky. Um, but hope nothing but but the best for those guys, and uh, and we'll see how it all plays out. That'll be probably one of the more interesting and more contentious positions that they will have to end up making decisions on. Absolutely, and that is where we're at as far as stories out of the preseason game tonight. Our main topic deals with uh, Carrington Valentine, but before we get to Carrington Valentine, I do want to talk real quick about a interesting quote from – Matt LaFleur and really what they've talked about all the summer, they talked about a play style. They talked about a physicality, a tenacity to me, morally, it sounds like the Packers are playing this preseason and in camp and just all this with a bit of an edge, uh, a bit of a, a chip on their shoulder that maybe didn't exist uh, in previous years or it did, but you know, didn't quite manifest itself in the same ways. You know, the Packers for better or worse under, Mike McCarthy, 
and Matt LaFleur and led by Aaron Rodgers and the offense and their passing game. That four-letter S word that nobody loves. Soft, right? That's kind of the word that gets thrown around a little bit with with a team like that. And now, you know, LaFleur, I mean, the Packers last week uh, and really no more evident than last year with Robert Sala after the Jets come into Lambeau and stomped a mud hole in the Packers and said something to the effect of, we thought if we could get them out into deeper water, they would realize that they can't swim. And I will tell you that there is, I mean, I'm just speaking as a, as a former player and as a fan, really, there is no more demoralizing way to lose a football game, in my opinion, than to just get physically dominated. Like one of the, the most, like the most embarrassing losses as a Packers fan, for example, have been like the usual suspects, right? Like Seattle, Tampa Bay, go on, so on and so forth. But physically demoralizing, which you could put in its own separate category, is that 49ers game where I am convinced the 49ers could have won without having to drop back to pass one time. Or last year against the Eagles, where the Eagles ran for almost 400 yards. Like it is basic football 101. The first play we all install when we go to practice for the first day, zone, duo, power, whatever, you know, depending on your running scheme, a team could just run that play at you over and over again and you can't stop it. But it sounds to me so far, and we got a long ways to go because none of this matters. None of this stuff matters if Chicago comes out week one and runs for 250. Like none of this matters. But do you sense the same stuff, Morley, that this team has – Again, a bit of an edge, a little more physicality to it. And this isn't a knock on Aaron Rodgers. It's going to sound like one because a team yeah. – like, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs are quote-unquote soft because they have Patrick Mahomes. They're led by a passing game. They're not they're going the, to like ram it yeah, the, Well, soft in the sense of – on all, like they, they're the Golden State Warriors, right? Like they, yeah, they, they hit threes. They hit threes. They hit the long ball. Um, but on defense, you've got guys like Frank Clark – and Chris Jones, who are, you know, glass eaters. I'm not a fan of Frank Clark. I'm not a fan of his off-field stuff. But, man, he's a dog on the field. Um, and the Packers, like, who can you point to? And be like, who's who's that guy? Who's that psychopath on the team? But I think your point with Aaron Rodgers is, is interesting, too. And I think a lot of people would, would say, well, Rodgers didn't play defense. No, he didn't. But he is, he's, been the, he's been the leader of this team for – those two quarter, those two coaches, you know, Mike McCarthy, a Super Bowl winning co- coach, Matt LaFleur, a very successful early in his career coach. So why were these teams always kind of soft? Why was their demeanor that way? And, and like you said, this isn't a knock on Rodgers. This, I think it's just kind of how he is, right? Where Rodgers teams just, that way are in because Peyton Manning's teams were that way too. And Peyton yep. Manning's teams were built that way, but it's kind of like the safety net of, well, we got 12 or we got 18 mm-hmm. or we got whomever, you know, whoever it was that is that quarterback on the other side. Most of the time that team is built around that, like the, the Colts all the time. <laughs> One of the reasons they struggled so much with the Patriots in that early run of the Patriots dynasty was that New England could kind of line up and just kind of ram it at you a little bit. Whereas the Colts were built to get ahead and let Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis rush the passer. Well, you can't just – 
rear back and rush the passer when it's seven, seven, you can, when it's 14 rip, which the yeah. Colts had plenty of success doing over the years, but they did. And the Packers kind of got built similarly over the years. They are still, I will say this until proven otherwise, they are still built that way. And one of the mm-hmm. things they absolutely have to change this year, since Brian Gutekunst took over 32nd in the NFL in rush yards per play against them. That yeah. cannot I don't care how much the NFL changes into a passing game. I don't care how much running the ball and running backs and run defense and everything the fantasy football nerds say don't matter. That cannot be a thing that continues and you to be successful as a defense. And frankly, I don't think as an overall team. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets 
tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code packaday for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code packaday for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Well, and it's like you said, it doesn't matter if the Bears come out and rush for 250 in week one. And the only pushback I'd be is like, I don't care if the Bears rush for 250 if they lock down the passing game. But typically when you're breaking off chunk plays like that, the passing game opens up. And that's kind of what we've seen with the Packers in the past. But with Aaron Rodgers, like his leadership style. And and again, I I don't want to people are going to come at us because this is going to sound like a knock. And I really don't mean to. But like Rodgers is the type of guy that if you punch him in the mouth, he'd kind of laugh and be like, ha watch this. I'll get you back. You know, when some guys, if you punch them in the mouth, they're going to swing back immediately. You know, like, like, in a, in a sense, like, you know, you talk about the chiefs being finesse, but Mahomes is not scared of sh- anything, right? He'll throw a pick, he'll get hit and he'll come back out the next drive. And be like, I'm going to light you up still. Rogers. was always kind of more surgical and more, analytical in his own mind, I think, than some of those quarterbacks are, even in a sense where Mahomes has, and you know, Favre, Mahomes, even Brady, where it's like, ah, oh, you got me that time, but whatever, I'm going to get the ball back again, and I don't care. Uh, I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it, and I think I wanted to get to this because I think this is an even bigger deal than anything to do with 12. I think the fact that 12 is now gone, I think the players in that locker room understand that, everyone thinks that they're not good anymore because their quarterback's gone. And I think they all have that little bit of a chip on their shoulder. One, because of that. And two, I'm not guessing on this. I know this because plenty of players have said it. A.J. Dillon said that they would run through a brick wall for Jordan Love. And I think they mean that. And I think when you have that type of grip, your quarterback has that type of grip on the team. And again, not that Rodgers didn't because Rodgers obviously has teammates that would have done anything and still would do anything for him. But when you mix that together with the fact of, okay, you have a new quarterback and all the players respect the hell out of Jordan Love, regardless of whether or not he's going to be good, bad in between, they respect the fact that he sat for three years and he did things the right way. And now they want to make good for him. That's part of it. And the second part of it is basically everyone's saying, you were only good because of 12. And I think those two things together, if if Coach LaFleur can harness that, and if that's the message that's being preached, and if I was the coach, I would be preaching that, nobody believes in you. You know, you, there's the famous clip of, was it Edelman going up to Tom Brady, yelling at him, yeah. he's yelling, you're too old, you're too old. Cheesy as it is. And that was cheesy. And that was even hard to watch, kind of. He's like, oh my God, that's corny. That stuff works. That stuff Absolutely. works for these there's athletes. A, there's an old clip from, oh gosh, I think it was 2012. Rodgers throws a deep ball touchdown to James Jones against the Lions. And Jones outruns the rest of the secondary. And I think it's Josh Sitton comes up to him and gives him a high five and says, who says you're too slow or something like that. Football players feed on that crap all the time. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's just how they're wired. That's just how it is. Tell someone they, you know, it's like, Aaron Rodgers, for example, we always talk about the chip on the shoulder, Aaron Rodgers. That's every player. You know, some guys that obviously manifest more. 
Tom Brady is an example of somebody like that. Just it works that way. I understand that. But I do think the team as a whole, you know, when they've preached, it's hard for a team to buy into, oh, we're the underdog. Nobody believes in us. Nobody thinks we can win or anything like that. And you're 13 and three and hosting the NFC championship game. Like it kind of rings hollow Mm -hmm. when you're doing that. But now like Peter King's article today says, obviously rebuilding, clearly rebuilding Packers team. The power rankings, which those don't mean anything, but maybe they do to some of these guys. They talk about they haven't ranked the Packers. Anyone that I've seen hasn't ranked the Packers higher than 16th in those power rankings. Those are articles that used to come out that ranked the team like sixth used to be considered low, right? Over the Mm -hmm. last decade with Aaron Rodgers, sixth was low. And that is where some of this gets interesting to me with the Packers in general of just how that's being preached, how that's being – and like you said, that safety net's not there with Aaron Rodgers. And I promise you these guys, yeah, they've heard all the stuff about how Aaron's gone 4-13. and 13. Aaron's gone, one of the worst teams in the NFL. You know, and I swear, like as much as fans think that we care so much about Jordan Love being successful so that we can throw it back in the faces of the Colin Cowherds and the Adam Shines and, and all these guys that are saying that Love sucks, you know who cares about that infinitely more? players in that locker room because they absolutely not just for Jordan love but for themselves because they are probably tired of hearing hey this was a one-man team and 52 others you guys stunk and just got to ride some coattails and look at what look at what DJ reader just said about Elton Jenkins just Just said it just a guy and you block for Aaron Rodgers that doesn't make you nothing right right you think you I, think Elton heard I that? Throw this I, mean, I love I love the smack talk between those two. Did you see his response today? Yes. Uh, well, it was <laughs> Elton's. Elton's response, where they said he, apparently he had to play with the second stringers as like a punishment or something. Oh for yeah, yeah. And, he was, and he's like, he's like, this isn't flag football. Like, you know, and so I love that. But the other and the other thing too to kind of go down with you know Elton and Bakhtiari and Jair. Outside of those guys, who's got their job secured, right? I mean, and and that's kind of to go like Peter King's not wrong to say it's a rebuild. I would say it's more. It could look that way. It could be a rebuild though that is is sped up quickly if the talent rises to the top and can play consistently early. Because just because it's a rebuild doesn't mean they're lacking in talent. This this roster is is as full of young talent as I can remember. I mean, oh, I think the last, very similar last, to the 2008, 2009 right. Packers from that standpoint. It's just a matter of, in my opinion, that's my opinion. They're young. There is no Greg Jennings who's established or Donald Driver as far as the pass catching weapons go at this point. But there's but, Aaron Jones. There's Aaron Jones and AJ, like just from like the leadership standpoint. And like David proven, Bakhtiari and yeah. Yeah. yeah there's there are those guys. guys. There are guys yeah. that have done it at a high level. Yeah. It's just a matter of is the quarterback good or not. And we're right. going to find out. We're going to find out. I'm telling you, I mean, this is a big week for Jordan Love. He's going to practice against Bill. But like as far – I could not have drawn it up better. If you are a Packers fan and wanted to see Jordan Love go against defenses that are difficult in this preseason, before his first season as a starter, he's going to face the Bengals who eat opposing quarterbacks. Like they make things difficult for Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes is the best quarterback in the sport. Then you've got Bill Belichick who has drawn up gate plans to slow down any great offense you can name off the top of your head. He slowed him down before. And then you're going to face Pete Carroll and that Seattle defense, which is one now again, very talented. And two, 
notoriously good again against opposing quarterbacks like that. And then you're going to face relative to that. Not very good. You know, Chicago's pass defense was terrible last year. Maybe it'll be better. Who knows? Atlanta, not very good last year. New Orleans. Okay. Not as good as last year. Like the way uh, Detroit terrible last year against the pass, except against the Packers for whatever reason. But that's the way that was. I don't think you could have drawn it up better for the Packers to get Jordan Love broken in because it's like, hey, the pick six, for example, last week with Mike Hilton, learning experience for Jordan Love. And in a non-consequential spot, which is something that matters for this team as well. I think getting those mistakes out of the way. And and granted, Love's going to make more. He is. That's like he's, you know, we got spoiled with uh, Rodgers too because he threw like what, four pick sixes in his career. I bet love those one or two this year. Like he's not the same guy, you know, and everyone freaks out when he throws an interception in practice, but it's going to happen guys. It's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, absolutely going to happen at some point, but let's get to our last part here before we go, uh, go, go to the end. And that'll be the secondary because Morley, and I feel dangerous talking about this because last year, we were talking about, oh, man, Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas and Eric Stokes is a second-year player with the leap coming and Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. The Packers might have the best secondary in the NFL, and then they didn't. And now we may have no safeties that you feel confident about. And the cornerback position is interesting because Jair Alexander, I said before the end of last week, was having the best camp of maybe any player from what I've read, what I watched, all that stuff. And I still think Jair Alexander is going to be a first-team All-Pro this year. Keyshawn Nixon was my pick for breakout player coming into camp for 2023. He had a sack the first play the defense saw in live reps. Impressive. Eric Stokes hasn't laced up once. Who knows if he will. He's not off the pup yet. It doesn't sound like he was going to anytime soon, but that remains to be seen. That could change very quickly. Don't quote me on anything like that. And then Rasul Douglas, who's had a pretty solid camp in his own right, and he's a pretty solid veteran corner. And then this beacon of light from the seventh round out of Kentucky, Carrington Valentine. Three pass breakups and an interception on Friday night. Now, granted, against Jake Browning and crappy Bengals backup quarterbacks. But had a good week in joint practices, too, against Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. So they're good receivers. Not their best quarterback. Burrow didn't play. And today, pick six is Jordan Love and has another big day in practice. And this is a set, that's his second pick six in training camp because he picked six Danny Etling once as well. It's getting to the point, and I do want to pump the brakes just a smidge, but I will say it is getting to the point where there have to be questions about how can we get this kid on the field? Because, you know yes, that, it is. You know that we just got to 37 minutes of recording as you just immediately started talking about Carrington Valentine? It's There you go. That would be <laughs> – it's, it's destiny. We've manifested it. We didn't even plan it. But, yeah, you, that's the question I think that's everyone on everyone's mind right now is how can you not play this kid? And how can you not see what he is in, reg, in the regular season? Just because it seems like whenever a ball is in the air, he is right in a receiver's hip pocket. And one thing that I think is really encouraging about him is he's making plays on the ball. That He had one interception at Kentucky. 
And that was kind of the not the big knock on him. Uh, he, they played a lot of zone at Kentucky, and he come and he comes out. One of the first things he says he goes, "Man, I'm I like to play press man." And he, Buddy wasn't lying apparently because he, I mean, that's what they're kind of letting him do, and he is not getting beat, and he's making plays on the football, and he is coming away with not just pass deflections but actual interceptions. So the question is, how do you get him on the field? You know, you're not going to take Jair out. You're not going to take Rasul out. It's fascinating to see what they'll do with Stokes because at this point, I would say that's at least up for debate. A conversation worth having is when Stokes comes back, you got to prove it. You, I'm not just going to give it to you. You're not just going to be the, the third boundary corner. You got to earn it. This kid has done everything to take your job. So you got to come back and, and prove that you're, you're better than him. I don't know if he is. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like when I say I don't know, I truly don't know. And you know, Stokes has actually done it in a regular season, played well. You know, his rookie year, he had a very good rookie year. But obviously, it's it's tough to get those four guys on the field at the same time because the only one of them that can really play in the slot is Jair. You know, Rasul last year kind of that experiment failed. Stokes, I would highly, highly doubt he can play in the slot. I don't know if Carrington can play in the slot or not. I think you have to at least try. You've got to give him a shot, right, uh, to compete with Keyshawn. Because I don't – you know, Keyshawn's had a nice camp, but it's not like he's – you're locked in, has to be your nickel corner. I almost wonder if Keyshawn can play safety. You know, like that was kind of a, a thought that was bounced around in my head a little bit. Kind of, you know, maybe not tr- like a true deep safety, but – Someone that can play kind of closer to the line of scrimmage in that slot role, you know, in, in their dime packages is basically a safety. So it's it's one, it's a great problem to have. It's an amazing problem to have. You never have too many cover, cover corners. Chances are, even if they don't figure out how to get all four of them on the field at the same time, chances are they're still going to need all four this year to play well. Uh, that's just the nature of the game. But at, at, at a point in time, and – Tell me if I'm making this up, Jacob. In the past, has Matt LaFleur not said, or Joe Barry not said, that they're confident that Rasul could play safety, but they, but essentially they don't want him to? Yeah, they've said uh, something similar. At least that sticks out in my head that that is something that has been said. And so at what point then, and I totally, I get why it's like, man, Rasul's, and according to our pal Andy Herman, Rasul's having like the three players that are having three of the best camps are Jair, Rasul, and uh, Valentine. So I totally get why you wouldn't want to move Rasul to safety. Like, why would you take a corner that's playing that, at that level and move him to a position that's not a as premium position? And I think the argument would be one because your starting safeties are Jonathan Owens and Darnell Savage. Rasul might be better than both of them at safety. And two, you've got someone waiting in the wings that could you know, really solidify this secondary. And what would be really interesting and fascinating about that is it, it does. We talked, we've talked about it and I don't think it's just the 37. He really does remind you of Sam Shields when he kind of came out of nowhere and he was their nickel corner. And I'm trying to remember. Did, he played the boundary. So it's kind of funny that you bring this up because when I was unemployed, 
it was it was really a beautiful life, guys. I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I have to contribute to society to provide for my family. But I watched the season opener from 2010, and Sam Shields started on the boundary in that game pretty much simply because the Eagles from that year were so damn fast. And his emergence by the end of the year was – remember, Sam Shields was so good in the first nine games or so that they cut Al Harris, mm-hmm. who was a long-term starter for that team, for him to come back. And – that basically allowed, with those three guys healthy, Shields, Tremont Williams, Charles Woodson became their nickel corner. And Woodson, in my opinion, has always been at his best. He was kind of like Clay Matthews. And why that defense was so damn good was they could move all those guys around a bunch. And Woodson was awesome as a slot corner. And that's kind of why I'm not comparing the two players, but the effect that someone like Keyshawn Nixon could have just with that skill set playmaking ability, physicality in the run game, stuff Woodson had that the Packers have kind of been searching for since. Um, Casey Hayward was a playmaker in the slot, not as great of a run defender. He's a smaller guy. Keyshawn Nixon's built. You know, he's a little bit bigger, stuff like that. So Sam, the point you were getting at was Sam Shields started on the boundary because the yep. Packers were like, oh, they have Deshaun Jackson. Well, in uh, Tremont, to- Tremont and, and Woodson were a little bit more versatile than Valentine and Rasul. Like, I still maintain that Jair, Jair can do whatever. Like, Jair could play slot. He could play boundary. You could put him at safety. I'm sure he'd be great. But it's just what do they want to do with him? And the one thing about Jair that you just mentioned with Nixon is he's not a bigger guy. Jair is a smaller corner. And so, you know, you'd have to play with it. You'd have to maybe maybe Keyshawn is in the slot on your early downs or, or your, your run downs and on obvious passing downs, that's when you get Valentine, you know, on the field as your boundary corner cut similar to what we thought they were going to do when Jair came back uh, two years ago. And we had the emergence of Stokes and Rasul and it's like, well, on obvious passing downs and they did Jair played in the slot on obvious passing downs. Yeah. With him. And, and, it was him and, and I would not be shocked at all if that is what they do again this year with these guys, but it still remains to be seen. And it's exciting. Like I, I, I know last year we talked about like, Oh, this secondary is ready to roll. And maybe it's just because it's recency bias, but it does feel a little bit different this year. It does. Could be, and, it, and I'll be I, like I said. I, I want to pump the brakes just a smidge, not not all the way. I'm not saying Valentine stinks. I'm not saying it's a mirage. I'm not. I'm just saying, let me see him against some starters. <laughs> I think yep. that would be a positive. If like uh, New England, thankfully in the past has played their guys in preseason settings, so I'd like to see him play against some starters against other teams. Uh, but this is a really good problem to have. You know, this is a team that. We're not – we're pretty far removed, but we're not that far removed from having Ladarius Gunter covering Julio Jones in an NFC title game. And, you know, all it takes is one turn – I mean, we saw it. What was it, two years ago? Jair Alexander broke his shoulder essentially and didn't play the entire season. Knock on wood, pretty God, that never happens. But it's the NFL, 100% injury rate. So the other problem is, Morley, as we know, these quote-unquote problems – tend to work themselves out. They do. And, yep. and that usually comes via a way that somebody doesn't like. But, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that, I hope all those guys are awesome. Because if the Packers have a corner room of Alexander, uh, Rasul, Nixon, Valentine, and Stokes, that is as good of a corner room as they've had since they had what? 
Devon House and Casey Hayward and Tremont Williams and Sam Shields. Like that group was probably the best group they've had. And and maybe they do some experimenting later if they decide they don't like any of the safeties, which right now it looks like they're still playing with those. Uh, they're still doing some playing on the offensive line. Rasheed Walker looks to have gotten some semblance of a promotion. We'll see if that sticks. I'm interested to see how that goes just because of what it could mean for Yosh Nyman. My take as of now is to keep all of them um, just because, again, the NFL has a hundred percent injury rate and the offensive line is certainly one of those positions where, you know, they're as of right now, they're a rolled ankle away from starting Royce Newman and everybody on this app, this Twitter app, X app, whatever they call it now. And the Packers verse in general doesn't want Royce Newman starting. So keep those guys. And that's, and, and who is your Zach Tom is probably your super sub, right? That's if anybody goes down on the interior, he's probably the first guy in. It and so he feels like he's going to start the season at right tackle. Yep. And if someone gets hurt, Nyman comes in at tackle and Tom fills wherever. Yep. Certainly feels or, that way. Or right? Walker. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I, the thing is, I mean, they're, spo- they're very spoiled at the tackle position right now, but it's, you know, guard has been hit or miss, which is interesting because those typically are the easier positions to fill <laughs> to, to find a player and you know teams are always looking for tackle play teams are always looking for tackles the Packers have three three that have started and played well in games and they've got two prospects they really really like in Walker and Jones um so it's you know and Tenuta like Tenuta is injured but that's another guy they clearly like they rostered him all of last yeah. season and, and that might Packers- be that might be a blessing in disguise for him because I don't know if he would make this team, but I think he yeah, might make it I next year. It might be a blessing in disguise for the Packers. It's never a blessing, really, when you, you know, get injured like that. But you know, he could come back next year, and this, you know, Yosh could be gone, or Yosh could be gone, Bakhtiari could be gone, both of them could be gone, technically. You know, and and then it's, hey man, there's a clear path to you making this team. So it's you know, this stuff does always work itself out, and and. In the preseason, we do tend to overhype these guys. Like that's just the case too, where you get them into a game, and you're like, "Oh, never mind." <laughs> you know, like uh, this is different than what I thought it was. Case in point is Royce Newman. He was awesome in the preseason his rookie year, and we and were like, you and I were very big his, fans of his. And then the situation is a little odd too, just simply because a couple things. Number one, the interior play for Green Bay, I think, is one of their like. I don't want to call it bigger questions because Elton is really good and Runyon mm-hmm. is is solid, if nothing else. Myers, I have no idea. Honestly, I don't. I don't know what. I just don't know what they what they're going to do, what they can do with some of their plans potentially with Zach Tom. But I, I just that's unfortunate the way that it's worked. But with Newman, he was at least okay as a rookie, passable. Someone you, know, you would, someone we all thought was going to take a jump and be good. And then last year they started him at right tackle for reasons I still can't figure out. And then he moved into guard for, I think, one game. And then he got benched because Bakhtiari came back, which is a good reason to get benched, I suppose. But I, it's been – now I think Royce Newman is fighting for his job. I don't want to say he's lost his job or anything like that. Still a fourth-round pick. The Packers, as until what? Friday he was the first guy off the bench – for for Green Bay, so that might mean something. It might mean nothing. I don't you know. I don't know what I 
what I do know is that he went from a guy that we thought could be a prospect that's rising to one who Sean Ryan's outperformed him. Sean Ryan didn't have a great game on Friday night, but he was better than Royce Newman, and he was actually better than than what I initially thought. He gave for. up four pressures, which is not great. Newman or Ryan? Ryan did. But he was yeah. also moving bodies in the run game. So I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what to what to do on that. The Packers, I I do think that next year's draft, and this is a long way to go from that, but I think next year's draft is going to be very trench heavy. Like they might draft three guys again, one early, one middle, one late, or something like that, just out of <laughs> damn near out of necessity because there just aren't a whole lot of bodies in that room at this point that are guaranteed with anything. But that's that's a long ways from now. What isn't a long ways from now is two joint practices, Wednesday and Thursday against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, Saturday at 7 o'clock at Lambeau Field for the first time since they ended their season last January against Detroit. It'll be much warmer than it was that particular night. The Packers will take on the New England Patriots, 7 o'clock, Jordan Love and the starters will probably play. Uh, that hasn't been 100% determined, but Matt LaFleur basically said as much after the game on Friday night that, that would happen. So we're looking forward to that. We'll have more to talk to. And then we'll get into almost regular season time, guys. It's getting closer. Uh, there was, what, 20 days until the first college football Saturday of the year, which means, what, 28 days until or something. No, it's not that many. But whatever. There's not a whole lot of days left between now and, and the first NFL game of the season, which will be the Chiefs and the Lions. Once we get through Chiefs and Lions, then we will have the Packers and the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field, a 325 kickoff for the start of a new era. Jordan Love will be your starting quarterback. I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward hey, to talking more. With and you after guys. that game, I just want Packers fans to know it's either going to be the Bears division for the next 10 years or the Packers. And there's no in-between. Just correct. be aware of that. There will be no one shortage game, of takes. One game to decide it all. Yeah, no shortage of takes uh, between a rival, a fan base, two fan bases that think the National Football League revolves around their quote-unquote rivalry, which isn't a rivalry, by the way, because the Bears haven't beaten the Packers since before my daughter was born. So she turns four September 18th, by the way. That's a very, very long time since something like that has happened. But we're out of time for today. Thank you guys for listening in this week. We'll be back next week. You can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westar. If you can follow Morley, he's at Jacob Morley. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you again next week. inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.